listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Well, it's good to be with you today. And we have a new series uh, that we're kicking off today called The New Normal. Last week, we spoke about, uh, I guess, really what it looks like for Red to be the church moving forward here in the state of Victoria in Melbourne. We're holding together the reality of the coronavirus outbreak in the world, but also how that uniquely manifests here in Melbourne and around the restrictions that we have had set up by our local governments. We shared that uh, it actually looks like it's going to be really hard for us to meet physically, even in a reduced number in 2020 and probably well into 2021. So in this new normal, as uh, the actual government documents say, that's going to come after the coronavirus, we thought, what if we reframed that at this moment where we can't plan? where it's really hard to predict. As the world has gone through this shift from a complicated world where we sort of know where we're going, we know there may be some road bumps and some mountains we've got to climb to a complex world where it's nonlinear. There's so many different plot twists. We don't even know what is going to happen. We don't know when we can come back. And we spoke about last week that churches are coming back in some places and they're meeting at different times. The congregations that existed, you know, have morphed into others as people meet online. We don't know what it looks like when we come back together, but we still know where the church, we still know red is called to be the people of God. So in a moment like this, where Melbourne's living through this really unique thing, this week, um, something caught my eye in the news. The Washington Post, the uh, American newspaper, wrote about Melbourne and the unique situation that we're in. And they talked about how the world's most livable city uh, was now becoming the world's most locked down city. That it says, I'm quoting here, Melbourne's 5 million residents, that would leave Melbourne's 5 million residents confirmed indoors for 115 days. Longer than the 92 lockdown, 92 day lockdown in Manila, 76 days in Wuhan, China, 58 days in Italy and 33 days across New Zealand. That's just not a little bit more. That's a lot more. And that's not even including what we did earlier in the year and probably what everyone's predicting is going to be uh, when this finishes. So we're in this really unique situation in this complex environment where we can't plan. But what we can do in a complex environment is shift from planning to preparation. And in a complex environment, look for the simple principles that will help us prepare as the people of God. And that's what this series is all about. What if in the new normal, we were marked as the people of God by three things? One, a people of God who abided with Jesus. Secondly, a people of God who were renewed by Jesus. And thirdly, a people of God who go and go with Jesus. And all of these things we can do now in lockdown Melbourne. We can do that if we're in some hybrid state. We can do that when we come back, whatever that looks like. These are simple principles which are not dependent on what the environment looks like. And so what I want to do today is I want to press into the first one of those three things, abiding with Jesus. Abiding is a term uh, which you know, you'll hear uh, if you've been around the church a while. And it's really an older English word, not really used particularly in uh, contemporary English as much. 
But when you mention it, particularly in the Christian world, people think of a particular verse, and that's John 15, verse 5, where Jesus says to his disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, which is another word for abide, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And often this is thrown up as the abiding verse, and I think it is. I think it's the classic abiding verse. But how do we do this? What on earth exactly is abiding? We can almost sort of feel that abiding is just getting as close to Jesus as possible, sort of sitting in his presence. And there's an element of that that is true, but there's something more profound that if we don't grasp a greater truth, we can miss out on what abiding really is. And just as we are going through a shift in our culture in the world, from a complicated world to a complex world, what abiding teaches us is that there's an even bigger shift in the world that is far more consequential, a shift that's not happening right now. It actually happened 2,000 years ago, just outside of Jerusalem, on a Roman cross, when Jesus gave his life for humanity. On the third day, he rose. And there's this dividing point in history. Adam and Eve in the garden had chosen rebellion chosen to live a life apart from God, chosen to try and do things in their own strength, not relying on the resources in God. And when that happened, they subjected themselves to a curse, that whatever they did would actually live under this mark of death. They could strive and they could try, but ultimately it would come to naught because all that was good, all that was lasting, all that is flourishing ultimately comes from God. And so humanity has been marked by this striving, this what the New Testament calls this fleshly life apart from God. And so on the cross, Jesus changes that. The line of humanity then has a different possibility. It's not just the line of Adam where we keep repeating the same curse and the same mistakes. And no matter how much we achieve in this life, we go into the grave and it comes to naught. Jesus opens up a new possibility of how to be a human. Romans 6 verse 6 says this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. What this is saying And let's just focus on that first line. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. You have, if you follow Jesus, you have this concept of a break in your identity. There is the old self that is defined by that curse in Adam. That is what is the New Testament calls the flesh. And then there is this new self, this new creation, where Jesus' identity is now your identity. And so this means that there is a self of you that is dead. And so many people fail to get this. So many people, what people are trying to do is actually resuscitate something which is dead. You can renovate an old rundown house. You can do up a vintage car, but you can't renovate or do up a dead body. You can try it, but man, it's going to start to really stink. 
And so many people almost have what I call a weekend at Bernie's faith. If you remember the classic 80s movie, which is essentially a one gag movie, uh, it was Andrew McCarthy and some other guy, don't even remember. And the whole joke of this movie was a guy had passed away and they had to convince some people that he was alive. So the whole movie is basically them carrying around this, this dead body but pretending that it's alive. But this is in a sense what so many Christians are doing. We are carting around something which is lifeless and dead, our old self. So much of self-improvement is actually trying to dress up something which has gone, which is dead, which no longer has life in it. What's your corpse's personality profile? How do you do self-help on something which should be in the grave? And a lot of Christian spiritual formation struggles, flails, and fails because it's actually self-help for a dead self, an attempt to reanimate what the Bible calls flesh. And so there's this danger that when we hear these terms like abiding, we can try and do that actually from the old self, missing the point of the shift that's happened in the universe as Christ opened a new way. And so what the New Testament calls life in the flesh is trying to animate that old self, which is now dead. And this can go into two different extremes. One, because we're weak, because we can't do anything, because we're living under the curse of Adam and we're choosing to actually try and live out of the old self, we can just fall into a passivity a pessimistic, nihilistic view that, man, it's just all too hard. I can't change anything. We're overrun with hopelessness, taking on a kind of victim mentality. Why do these things always happen to me? Believing a story that because it was like that, it's always going to be like that, where you realize the weakness but actually see no way out of it. On the other side, because we're weak, we realize that and it actually haunts us. So we spend incredible amounts of energy trying to reanimate this dead body. We actually strive. We move into pride, trying to build our identity on something which is now irrelevant, the old self which is gone, and we try and almost reanimate it, dressing it up, putting a hat on it, a coat and medals, trying to make it something when actually it's gone. When we do this, we can actually open up again a religious dynamic, striving to achieve God's will and work through the flesh. Well, we've got it all lined up. We're going to read my Bible at that time. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try and Sabbath and sit there in silence and do this and that and come to church seven times a day and do all these different things. But all of it will come to naught. It's been done in the power of the old self coming from a human sense which doesn't realize that the work has been done on the cross. When we live in the flesh, whether that's in an irreligious way or even trying to do religious, godly work through the power of the flesh, we manifest Adam in our experience. Whatever we do comes to naught. It's exhausting. Adam is cursed that his work is always drudgery. Eve is cursed, childbirth is painful, all these things. A curse hangs over whatever we do, even when we are pursuing good things. 
And when we do things in the flesh, we place ourselves in the devil's crosshairs. We've moved out of the stronghold, which is not built with bricks and mortar, but actually is in the will of God. And we're trying to achieve his will, but we're really doing our will. That's just the public relations campaign that we're running. And so the invitation to come into abiding can be captured through something that we see in Galatians 2 verse 20, where it says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Just think about that for a second. I have been crucified with Christ. I am dead, gone. I no longer live. But the new reality, the way to life in the spirit, Adam, you, me, gone. But now Christ's identity is our identity. Paul continues, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Abiding is believing and stepping into the truth of the work that Jesus has done. That that old self is gone. You don't need to worry about it. You don't need to try and reanimate it. Jesus is actually saying, like, don't look over there. This is a pointless exercise. This is weekend at Bernie's. Over here is a completely new creation that totally flows from his life. This is why there's the branches in the vine. They're all connected. And thus, All this attempt to try and grow the old self, to animate the corpse, to do a self-improvement on a dead body. All of this is a waste because grace is the only thing in which we can grow. This new life is wonderful and it's given freely. We don't deserve it, but Christ gives it to us. And when we abide, we actually don't live in the dead line that comes from Adam, we live in the new line, the new human, the obedient one, Jesus, who goes to the right hand of the Father, pours out the Spirit on humanity and opens up a whole new possibility of living. When we abide, we live a very different life in Christ than we would live if we were living the life we wanted to live. And this is such a key point. People will come to faith sometimes, be drawn to faith because they've tried a bunch of things to improve themselves and they haven't worked. And then we're going to try the Christian resuscitation of the dead self. This is different. Now, sometimes people turn up and get the real thing. But Christianity is not trying to go back to what is gone. It's actually stepping into what is new. And realizing that Jesus is the source of everything, the wisest person to ever live, the smartest person to ever live, the most loving, righteous, just person to ever live. So he is now our life. He sets the tone. He sets the direction. He is our everything. This is the new life into which we are invited. And so this is a shift. Abiding is not so much 
hanging around Jesus, just hoping a bit of that will rub off on us and then continuing with our life project. This is actually your will be my will. This is a shift from doing what we will to living his will. So how do we walk this out? How do we do this? Now, I believe at this moment, this is a word in season. This is always true. But this is a word in season at this moment because what is different, this lockdown that we're in, the longest lockdown in the world, this is such a reminder of our weakness that we can't do it. So many of people's attempts, lockdown 1.0, The joke was so many people, I'm going to take up jogging. I'm going to learn how to do sourdough bread. You know, I'm going to teach myself Swiss German. All these different things that people wanted to do, we began to realize that, man, we are just getting through. Whether you're stuck in real isolation, as I know many of you are, living by yourself, cut off from human contact, whether you are in a share house with a bunch of people and you're trying to get on your work call and there's different people walking into different rooms and everyone's eating up the bandwidth and you just need a break, whether you're at home with a family and you've got little kids and the parks, I mean, literally, I think they've just opened the playgrounds now that you're just going mad because childcare is cancelled, whether you've got kids at school and you've become a teacher plus working, trying to keep your job going, all of these different things have put pressure on us at this point in time, reminding us that we can't do it. This is created at the moment when it is a lockdown and a closing in Melbourne. This has actually created an open door to step into abiding at this point in time. So what do we do? So many of us at this time just want rest. To be honest, my deepest sense at this time what I would love to do. I don't even, I don't even want to go. These people are like, I'd love to travel. I, don't, I would just, just give me two hours of silence, please. That is my heart's desire at this point in time. Just, I will stare at a wall, please. So we want rest. But we also want control. And walking out of body is resting. But it's a different kind of rest. When we realize that we are weak, we can't do it in our own strength. It's a resting, but then it's a relinquishing. Because I know if i got two hours now, probably what I'm going to start to do if I'm living out of my old man, if I'm living out of my old self, is maybe I'll have my coffee. But at some point, the script's going to come in. You need to do this, man. What's going, to, what's going to happen to Red after all this? How do you lead through this time? What's going on? All these questions. What's happening in the world? And the fears and the burdens that I carry or you carry, then will start to be manifest. No, abiding, dwelling in the vine is rest but relinquishment. I'm not in control. Christ is in control. Not my will but yours, Lord. So abiding is stepping and going, I don't have control. I am weak, but I give it to him. That work worry, that economic worry, that relational worry, that family dynamic, my fears, my concerns, my loneliness, rest and relinquish 
and saying, I can't do it, but I recognize Jesus. You are Lord of the universe and I'm going to give it to you. And it's actually in your timing. It's up to you whether you want to do anything on this. It's actually, I'm just giving it up to you at this moment. I'm going to dwell in the vine because all I have to be is connected because your identity is now my identity. And I give up the pretense of trying to animate a dead self. That's the rest. That a religious pursuit of solitude or Sabbath or whatever can't give you. Because we actually can't do that at this time. Instead, this is a dynamic living of him in you. The other thing is, abiding is being in God's presence. So many people hunger for a sense of God's presence. In the difficulties that we've lived through as a world, as we've lived through as a city, there's that hunger where when we hear the word abiding, it resonates with the deep sense in us of human beings that we just want to be with God. We want to feel him at this moment. Now, again, we can pursue that through the lens of the flesh, trying to have an experience, an experiential moment where we feel something that feels better than the terrible things we're feeling at this time and comes as a solace. But often that will actually be trying to give the old man just some experiential sensory sense of God's presence that hopefully will animate the old man, the old woman, the old self back to life. But before presence, first has to actually come a sense that you're his possession now. Resting his identity in you, your old man gone, is actually you're in his possession now. Watchman Nee says this, I first, I must first have a sense of God's possession of me, that my life is no longer mine, before I can have a sense of his presence with me. Understanding the old man's gone and that your life is now in Christ is understanding that Christ is your Lord. He is in you. You are in him. And so therefore, presence of God comes when we walk in obedience to his ways. Allowing him to move in our life because we're not putting blockades and barricades up. And lastly, we abide when we realize that it's not a work. This is not something you need to do. If you're writing notes now, don't write notes like, okay, this is my program to fully abide. Write notes to recognize what Jesus has done on the cross for you. That you're living out of time. You're living in a previous phase, trying to animate something which is gone. Recognize what Jesus has done for you and just simply step into it. This is not a work. This is a walk where we then just begin to walk out the new reality that Jesus has done for us on the cross. You don't have to reanimate your old self. Your old self is gone. All those little things, that scripts that come against you are lies from the enemy. The enemy is playing a game of trying to make you think you're back and the old man is still at play. No. This is not a work, another thing you've got to do. This is actually a joy and a freedom and life in the spirit, which we walk out as the people of God. We're no longer are we relying on the soon to be depleted 
human energy resources of human striving, but actually realize that we have an inextinguishable, inexhaustible power that comes from Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit is poured out on us and we just simply have to get into the river and allow ourselves to move with God's holy current. So what I would love to do is I would love to pray now. If you're someone who is hearing this and you have not made that decision to step into following Jesus, I would invite you to do that. To simply put before him your old self, say, no, I can't run this enterprise anymore. Jesus, take the reins of my life. I need your forgiveness for all the ways in which I've rebelled against you for how I've sinned against you, against others. And I ask your forgiveness. Please be the Lord of my life. So let's pray now. God, on the cross, you gave your life for us. The old is gone, the new is here. May we see it in your name. I want to pray, Father, for those who perhaps for the first time have made a decision to follow you. Pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will begin to touch those people now. As they move into the new life in you. Jesus, I want to pray for those who may be realizing, maybe never realize what you've done on the cross, who are realizing at this moment that actually, They've been trying to animate a dead corpse. They've been trying to put a Christian veneer on something which is now in the grave. Father, through your spirit, through your revelation, help them to realize how much you love them, that your identity is now their identity, that they've been washed clean, made new. Father, may they actually just step into the good news that that is. Jesus, I want to pray for those who hunger for more of you. May we recognize that the way to understand more of your presence is to realize that we're possessed, that you own us, that you are the most wonderful Lord and Savior. You don't compel us beyond our will. You invite us into this incredible relationship with you. And so, Father, we just pray right now for people in lockdown, Melbourne, wherever people are watching this, at moments of loneliness, at moments of difficulty, at moments of just like, man, I just need to get out. I'm I'm done at this moment. In this moment of weakness, may we be strong in you. May your spirit lift us up. May your spirit fill us in Jesus' name. May we just receive your blessing of the truth of who we are in you. May we leave behind shame, temptation, the lies of the enemy. And instead now, may the Holy Spirit illuminate our minds and hearts of your goodness and the good thing that you did on the cross. May we as individuals and a church abide with you, Jesus. We pray in your name.